I have a bunch of books that I'm meant to bring up here. Because today, we're talking about parenting. And I know you just love to read books about parenting. Um, it's the way I learn. Not everyone learns that. They might uh, watch videos or talk to friends and that kind of thing. But I've got some to refer to you today. And uh, the best book we can read, as you might have learned as a child, uh, is the Bible. And uh, that gives us a place to start from, the foundation of which other things that are said, uh, this is the, thor- the authority on which we speak from. So Proverbs, just a quick reminder, what they are and what they are not. You know, the uh, Proverbs, as it speaks more generally around uh, wisdom, is often the first few chapters, and then there's often sayings throughout uh, Proverbs that just give us a little glimpse of what life at its best can be lived like. Now, these aren't promises or commands or absolutes. They're not guaranteed. And even what we're going to talk about in the parenting factor today, I think you would have a story for, I know the exception to what you've just said is good wisdom and how it played out and all that kind of thing. You will find an exception in your mind. But the, the, the flip side is, okay, what, what is the author and what, what is this proverb trying to bring to us that we can mine for for good wisdom in our life. The second part is that this advice is actually uh, given mostly from a father to a son. And so it carries that kind of language and that kind of uh, worldview that this uh, wisdom is being given. So you have to do a little bit of work um, of interpretation depending on your stage of life. Um, Male and female, female's got a bit of a harder job to hear the language, but there is wisdom for all of us to gain. Now, in these Proverbs, when you think about if it is advice to a young man, and by the way, I've got one of my sons in the room, so I'm held to account about whatever I say about parenting today, and poor him, um, yep, that's the life he has learnt to live. Uh, but parenting advice to a young man you know, there's a, you go through all the Proverbs and there's so much to think about. It's like, how can I take all this wisdom on? You know, parenting, I'm not even at that stage. You know, how do I, where do I put all this stuff? There's so many different aspects of life. I mean, if Proverbs was a course, you would have a good, and you had a test at the end, there's a good chance you'd probably fail it, trying to put so much in your brain. But the reality is, we are all experiencing a life. You're picking up learning all the time, good and bad examples. You're forming your own opinions about what you'll choose to do, what is going to be wise and what is foolish. Uh, The way to parent is no different. To be a parent into the future, you will think about your experience as a child to a parent. You're forming those opinions already. Now, our families that we come from have a huge impact on our approach to parenting. If I could talk to any one of you, that would be the way that you have parented or you have a view about parenting would no doubt be influenced by the family you come across. Now, I've done quite a bit of pre-marriage counselling with couples over the years, and one of the tools that we use within that is um, basically just look at uh, the difference. I think we've got a little picture that's going to come up on the next one. Ethan, thank you. Uh, Not that one. (laughs) You get there. But basically it's a graph about the closeness of a family or the flexibility of a family. In one extreme, we have um, 
families that might actually keep each other at arm's length. Whereas from a closeness point of view, you know, we, this might be, you know, I ring them once a year and you know, we catch up. Yeah, that might be kind of that extent. And then the other one is kind of in your face, you know, I ring them at least four times a day and I'm talking to them and that kind of thing. I know people that do that. And so that's a level of closeness versus those that, and there's kind of everything in between. How are you going there, Ethan? Not, not winning? Okay. Um, the other side is flexibility. You know, for those that never have a plan in their family life through to those that have a plan for everything. I don't know which, where do you fit in that. And uh, we talked to the couples about their experience in their families of that. And then how does that relate about how their family is going to build into the future? And if they're at extremes with both of those away from each other, that's not like, oh, well, that's just never going to happen. It's just like, hey, that's something we need to pay attention to because it's going to change the way that they parent and the way they build their family. I found myself a number of years back, bogged down in the parenting task and nothing seemed to be working. This is when our kids were a lot smaller. Uh, I was not really liking the person I was becoming in it and both us as parents and uh, our children were getting pretty frustrated with it. And it was, uh, I remember Saturday afternoon um, and uh, like I've already said, you know, what does a person like me do in such a situation? They think, I can find a book to read. That will solve my answers. And uh, so I headed off to the Christian bookshop at 4.30 on a Saturday afternoon. It's going to close at 5. And uh, I find a book, you know, what's going to be the best one? And I found this one. Have a new kid by Friday. <laughs> now it's Saturday, so I've got, uh, yeah. So it says, how to change your child's attitude, behavior, and character in five days. So I've got one day up my sleeve um, before that I can fit that all in. And, uh, but then I got home and I realized, now I have to read it. That's a problem. I, don't, I want this to be sorted out now, what I'm feeling about my parenting. Um, you know, five days, well, that's way too long. Um, so, uh, but I've begun to read it. And basically, the point was, be consistent. That's the summation of this book. You can read the detail if you like, um, but that's basically what he says. We'll talk more about that later. So I don't presume to be the perfect parent, um, but what are the wisdoms that we can pick up from Proverbs? You know, even Solomon, the, the person that is the ascribed author of uh, uh, Proverbs, he's positioned as a, you know, in the way it's put forward as father to son advice, he couldn't claim perfect parenting either. You know, think about the outcomes of his sons, if you want to read about that um, in Kings, then you'll find that a number of his children became power-hungry, kind of really mean people. And this is a guy with a lot of wisdom to pass on that's given by God. This is an opportunity as we look at this topic to check in and maybe for parents that are here today to kind of check in where am I at with the practices, um, what are the gaps perhaps, what are some of the rhythms or practices I need to re-establish. Now the reality is this crowd is not full of parents um, who are perhaps have children in their household right now. So what do you do with 
what does it have to say here? Well, parenting can go beyond just blood relationships. We read in 1 Corinthians 4 these words. Paul, who wasn't married, we don't, it doesn't appear to be married, didn't seem to have any children, but he took, he took seriously parenting, but spiritual parenting. And he says these words in 1 Corinthians 4. I am writing this to shame you, sorry, not to shame you, important, important word. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. So this idea that there's actually lots of people are going to give you information. This is 10,000 guardians. Oh, that's a talk for another day. But basically, I became your spiritual father. I'm the one that shared the good news with you and helped you to understand what the gravity of what Jesus has done on, on the cross for us is. So Paul took that seriously. And we know that Jesus had no children. He wasn't married, didn't have children. But he was a fulfilled human being. He spiritually parented many people. So three things that I want to draw to our attention. If you've got, uh, as you came in today, you would have got a little handout which uh, points these, has these points there for you. You might like to write your own notes alongside there. They're just a reference and they've got some resources there that you could read after as well. So the first point I want to, uh, that comes out from the Proverbs is follow the leaders. Now the whole point of and how it's communicated, a father to a son and sometimes a mother to a son in Proverbs, is uh, kind of they're taking it seriously that they have a leadership role with their children. Now looking after children can be a huge reflective experience. They follow your lead, whether intentional or not, particularly in the earlier years. And this can be a great tool for good, but it also can feel like carrying a lot of responsibility. The spirit, spiritual foundation of which the wisdom offered in Proverbs is built is uh, we hear in this verse from Proverbs 14.26. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress... And for their children, it will be a refuge. So that's like, you know, parents, if you fear the Lord and you know that to be true, the fear and that he is so awesome, he is so uh, powerful in his ways, he is the one who has authority in my life, he knows how life works, he, this certainty will create certainty for the children. There's refuge in that, that they know that God is the God of the universe and they can take anything to him. There is no place or time where knowing God uh, is, you know, is evaporated. There's an opportunity to come to him every day in any situation. It's a refuge for our children. And so this, this brings us back to being people that are working out our own salvation. Growing in our own faith has a huge impact for the benefit of our children. Now when Moses, he was talking to uh, this, uh, people of Israel and somewhat to the parents of Israel and he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 these words, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Big picture vision. This is what you're to be about. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Okay, it's easy to go, yep, I'm going to grab this love the Lord your God and press it on my children. But what does it say just before that? These, com- uh, sorry, uh, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. To be on the hearts of those parents, the leaders of that time. So what they're impressing on their children is something that they own for themselves. There's a little phrase there from Reggie Joyner, uh, one of the authors that I'll allude to. If you want it to be in them, it needs to be in you. If you want it to be in them, it needs to be in you. And that's speaking to parents. You know, if I want them to be kind, am I someone that is kind? Do I speak respectfully? I'm trusting that they will be as well. Do I want to have self, them to have self-control in their life? Am I a person that is willing, under the guidance and the empowering of the Spirit, to gain self-control? You know, I've had uh, over years of working with youth and um, yeah, just engaging families, coming in and out of church life, I've had uh, many people talk about my priority is to find a church where my children are catered for. Okay, I, I hear that. My priority is to find a church my children are catered for. It is meaningful to get engagement for our children, for our youth. But if the parents do not engage in that space, the kids are pretty quickly out of there. If they don't see mum and dad wanting to engage it, then they're not interested. So my challenge has been to sit as parents as they've raised that find church community that benefits all the family because all of you need nourishment. And so that might be like, how can I come in with my list of do they tick all the things I want? Well, I would suggest a different way of looking at it and saying, what does it mean to go after being kingdom-seeking people? How can I do that in the church that I decide to be part of? Whether that's already in place, all the stuff for kids and families and all that kind of thing. And we are blessed to have uh, ministries to youth and kids over the last few years and for many years. But what is our participation in that? How do we engage that and lead as parents into that space so that our kids would find fruitful engagement? The words from Proverbs 20 verse 7 say, The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. There's a blessing to bestow on our children as we are people who follow Jesus well. That say yes to Jesus, not just for once, first time, but consistently saying yes to Jesus. Our children will reap the benefits from it. So there's a question, what imprint do we leave on our children? What is the role modelling that we are doing? As I said, that uh, Paul was speaking to Timothy about being a spiritual parent to him. If you read on in those verses, I think that was the next slide. Yep. 
He's talked about being a spiritual father to Timothy. And then he goes on to say, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Spiritual father to his child. And this question was raised to me when this scripture was brought to my attention. Do I have a life worth imitating as a parent to my children? Do I have a life worth imitating? It's a big question. Now that doesn't mean they're going to do exactly what you do. But will they see life the way you do? they see life with wonder because you see life with wonder? Do they... Um, Respect people wherever they go because you do too. Do they have a vision? It's an optimistic vision about uh, where God's taking this world and his mission to the world because you do. A couple of little quick resources. Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. This is uh, Reggie Joyner, Kerry Newhoff. And uh, yeah, there's no time to go into the detail of it, but basically says join... The church, the people, the community that you're connected with and your parenting, because reality is you are with your children much more than the church is, but there is power in joining the two together. So that's, there's a great vision in there. The second point that I want to bring to you is about discerning the discipline. And this gets a little bit more challenging, uh, the words spoken here in Proverbs. You know, the overall view of Proverbs is this, as I talked about it before, a young man setting a young man on the right path. They're being proactive about sharing wisdom with him, talking about all the pitfalls of life and encouraging him to take up wisdom. Now, child discipline requires parental discipline and discipline uh, produces fruit in a person's life it, and it brings... Um, I guess shows them what a preferred future looks like. Here's some verses to encourage you with. Start children off the way they should go, and even they, when they are old, they will not turn from it. Thought of an exception in that one. Um, but, you know, start children off in the way they should go, and even they are, though they are old, they will not turn from it. Next one, discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you delights you desire. Interesting to know what's conjuring up in your mind right now. Thirdly, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be willing party to their death. Wow. That's basically, if I don't, uh, yeah, you know, it's quite a mandate. Um, I'm going to save you from death by disciplining you. And uh, there's going to be good chat around the lunchtime table today around this. It's basically, you'll save them from a lot of regrets and unwise decisions. That's what the Proverbs are trying to point out to us. Yeah, there are consequences from the choices that we make. And disciplining, training in the right way, helps less of those regrets to occur. Now, there's a scripture in Hebrews 12 which draws out what about this discipline kind of idea. I think it helps put things in context a bit. Hebrews 12, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. 
Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Maybe you didn't. And maybe you didn't enjoy the disciplining process at all. And maybe it wasn't done well. Maybe, maybe there's lots of things that we think of as we read this scripture, depending on our experiences. Fathers discipline us, we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They, as in those fathers, disciplined us for a little while, while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, the idea of discipline and training coming together, it's actually it's there for a good purpose. But then we switch to some of the Proverbs that are a little bit harder for us to think about in our contemporary society. And this is where the next um, slide is going to come up. In one sense, I want to read these really quickly. But whoever spares the rod hates their child, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Folly is bound up with the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it away. A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. There's a lot of rod stuff going on there. And uh, I don't know what comes to your mind, like a little twig thing or like a really big baton or, you know, it's a, <laughs> a fishing rod. Yeah, that's a good... That's, that's probably what they're referring to. Um, Yes, I'm going to talk about that, but uh, I don't know if any of you have seen this show. I heard a, overheard a conversation about parental guidance. Um, you might have seen this on, I think it's Channel 9. I heard some conversation amongst some other dads the other day, and uh, they were quite um, interested to share about the smacking scenario uh, that was being spoken about on this show. So I've chosen to watch that this week for some research and to kind of find out what's, what's trying to be portrayed in these, this kind of reality show. I find these investigative reality shows very challenging because basically they have a strong bias to whatever they want to present and they'll find a way to cut clips and make it sound a certain way to produce an outcome. Um, and really scientific statements like research suggests, it's like, what research? They don't tell you the research. They just let me present my view under the guise of research. Um, but anyway, it's basically 10 different parenting styles being put up against one another and see which one is the most effective, which is obviously can be done in a six-week period and not a longitudinal study, of course. Uh, but anyway, the way that they would like to um, bring uh, the imagery across with something like here at we've got in front of us in Proverbs, is there is a strict parenting style for one of the ten couples. And that is the middle on the right. And this guy is a minister of a church, just to make it more simple and easy. And, uh, and uh, so smacking comes up in the first episode, and there is shock from all the other parents about how could they do that. 
It gets really messy because within the same episode, they give the children the control of the parents for two hours and say, you can do what you like, you're in charge. And so one of the first things the kids of those parents do is he gets out the wooden spoon and says, right, there's going to be some discipline around here. And the parents are like, this is going to be tough. The whole experiment was destined for failure, of course. And uh, amazing, you know, the couple were very humble about it, whilst uh, pretty much all the other parents were um, questioning their choice about smacking their children. They didn't show them smacking their children. They just said that's one of the tools that they have in their discipline approach. Now, interestingly, towards the end of the episode, they said, okay, let's have a bit of honesty here and asked all the other parents who has actually smacked their child. And then 80% put their hand up after just giving them a hard time about them doing it. It's like, phew, that's interesting. Anyway, the second host, he cuts away and basically says, smacking should be gone forever. That's, that was what the, the thing was about. Now, how do we wrestle with something like that? Because it's the reality. Um, you may have even experienced, even as you read those words, you think, whoa, that's, that's pretty tough. That's not my style. That's not the way I would go about it. Or maybe it is. We're always, as we read the scripture, you know, 3,000 years ago, there's a context in which it's written in. Today, we live in a particular context and we need to think about that thoughtfully when we compare our societies, even for 50, 30 years ago, where do we land? You know, to not hit our children with a rod, does that dismiss the Bible? Because it talks about doing this kind of thing. Well, that's where kind of the phrase of discerning the discipline is key here. And in our society, we know through royal commissions into abuse, we know trauma, we know children that struggle with autism and, and different kind of scenarios that children face, how we relate to them. You know, we don't instruct our children's um, leaders to smack our children, to discipline the kids that are out there at the moment. You know, in some countries in Europe, it's outlawed that you're allowed to even do this. You know, it's a tough thing to work out. You know, it's admirable about not bringing a rod to the child to, to abuse them, to watch out for the vulnerable. It's admirable to not be lashing out in anger. This is not talking about that. The Proverbs are not saying lash out in anger and just beat your children. When we step back... What's the big picture here? The idea is about, for discipline, is training the child in the way they should go. And that's what needs to be discerned. That's the truth that we want to keep moving towards. Can we do that in response rather than just reacting with our anger? Are we just doing knee-jerk reactions or are we actually thoughtfully parenting our children and training in the way they should go? 
I certainly have not done that perfectly. The aim from a father to a son, as the Proverbs is, guiding them to wisdom, the difference between wisdom and folly. I can give you a neat, tidy answer, but I can say that most of the parenting books that you read, Christian, whether they're Christian or not, will try and give you other ways to actually deliver disciplining outcomes. There are other options. Um, yeah, we can talk about it in more detail one-on-one if you'd like to. I've got books there I can show you, including Have a New Kid by Friday. Okay. Five days. It's so quick. Um, but the greatest gift in discipline is actually inconsistency. To carefully consider what is the wise way to train them, to explain, to express and train a child in an age-appropriate way. You know, reasons we let go of consistency with our children often is to do with what's going on in us. You know, I feel mean to sort of stop them doing that. Or I really don't have enough energy. I've got my own problems to deal with. I don't want to have to sort of instruct them. Consistency is what gives our children certainty. Boundaries need to change. Those become more independent over a lifetime. You know, I'm pretty sure that most parents that have had empty nest kids, they don't discipline, they don't engage their kids in the same way as they used to when they were five. They want to train their child to own their own choices in life the older they get. It takes time to discipline. It takes steps forward in little increments towards it. It takes affirming their success and where they show wisdom is to challenge foolishness. So I'll leave you the question, what investment could you and I make today to be more consistent for any area of life? Tech screen time, absolutely huge one. Eating exercise habits, hygiene, education, friendships, if you as a parent feel like you've lost control, today can be a new day. Consistency can start from today. It's different than yesterday, but from now on, you can be more consistent. Find the rhythm that is healthy and move towards making that is happening. For younger ones, that might look like just, just make the change. Replace it with a better alternative. For the older ones who have kind of watched your inconsistency and lack of boundaries, talk them through what you're hoping to do, what you're aiming for. Involve them in solution, not bargaining the goal you're going after, but what actions will we take towards the goal. Keep the conversation going. That's what this whole thing about Proverbs, like if I sat down and read this out to my children, in one foul swoop, do you think that you know they'd take that in? There's no way. There has to be a conversation. There's opening up. There's an interaction between father and a son, mother and a daughter. I encourage you, those that are parents, right in this stage of life, that you do have a God-given authority to guide them to wisdom, and you can do it. And if you're struggling to do it, 
Get people on board. It's your, your spouse, your grandparents, friends, help them to help you make it happen. And if, you don't, if you're not in that situation and if you've got some uh, wisdom to pass on, offer to help a family around you to bring what you have into their space. Now, if any parents would benefit from short courses on this, we've done some in the past, let me know and we'll get some of that stuff going again if you want to sort of unpack this. Here's a couple of books. Uh, Five Love Languages for Children, just understanding them better. Boundaries with Kids, another little, that's from a, a wider series of boundaries, which is about sort of setting kind of that consistency in their life. And lastly, the path they choose. Proverbs talks about a path that a, that a child will have already chosen. Proverbs 23, really encouraging. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. You know, there's something to look forward to with a child who is loving God, who is making wise choices. If we can keep that ideal in front of us, it's something to work towards. But also, maybe as you look back, you're like, that's something to celebrate. I love how my kids have grown up in that way. Don't feel bad that that's maybe your experience and not others. Relish it, but pass it on. Involve others in the fruits of the character and faith that are in your children. Encourage your children to pass it on to people around them who maybe have not had that experience. But there are those children that will choose folly. Here's some verses. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. That sounds really kind of... We're not used to using the word fool, and so it kind of sounds pretty harsh. There's other verses. A foolish child is a father's ruin. Whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child, uh, is, is a child who brings shame and disgrace. And that's heavy. A few years ago, I shared a story about a cousin of my mum. Her family was turned upside down as her husband, um, so as her and her husband had to deal with the youngest of their two sons. He got trapped in drug addiction. And they spent 10, maybe 15 years wrestling with what to do, how to respond. They made many mistakes along the journey, trips to rehab, lots of stealing, lies. It was terrible for them. Two things I remember from that story. Firstly, they found that they had to recapture their own sense of relationship with God to find their identity in him. Because they realized if they had their identity forged out of the outcome of their child's foolish decisions, then they're going to be miserable over and over and over again. And they were just being oppressed by that experience. So what did they do? They went and did a lot of hiking it helped them clear their mind. It gave them something to do that was constructive, not destructive. 
and it removes themselves from that situation for short periods of time. Perhaps in your own experience, or it's something you're still dealing with from a previous experience, you know, you've kind of lost yourself along the way as you've sought, tried to sort out your child's issues. You know, their foolish choices. You know, is it time for you to ask God, you know, who is the real me? You know, who do you see me as, God? How can I bring that in the way I parent, not based upon the foolish decisions of my children? Secondly, for this couple, as I heard their story sort of pan out over the years, as my mum would update me, you know, they put in boundaries putting boundaries with their children. They created safety for themselves, their family, and their son. Sticking to those boundaries was incredibly hard and included at times saying, you cannot come back into our house unless you're willing to abide by these conditions. He was a more grown-up young man by then. But they decided that their lives would no longer be ruled by their son's decisions. Unconditional love was always present, but unconditional enabling of him and his habits was not okay. They were able to define the difference between those two things. So once again, if this is some of your experience, what new boundaries do you need to establish to restore to restore calm to your family. You know, Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge is a, um, a group that this church has sort of supported for many years. And they run a course about doing this, and particularly around uh, children that are faced by uh, drug and alcohol addiction. And one of the things that they always uh, present for us just as a, a wisdom to hold on to as a relating to our own children it's a quote here. It's not always what you do for your child, but mostly what you teach them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. It's not always what you do for your child, but mostly what you teach them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. So as we finish, there's a lot to take on there. And uh, every person's experience is going to be different, both as you've received your parents' instructions, which may have been terrible, it may have been a beautiful thing. As you, those that are presently parenting children within their household, being that leader that can be followed, someone worth imitating, invest in that, encourage you that. To be discerning about the discipline. Has it, have you just got in a mode of doing it a certain way and you're hitting a roadblock? Actually, maybe there's something to ask God more about there to understand what, what is a, a fresh way to look at this, to kind of back off and see um, what's really going on. And finally, to understand that as much as that verse about, you know, training them in the way, uh, what was the verse? I've missed it. It'll come to me. Um, Start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Well, sometimes they do, and we've still got to wrestle with that as well. It's, it's something that we can actually pray for one another in, you know, alongside each other. 
to care for one another, to know that that's the reality, but that we will not give up hope. We will keep expressing unconditional love that God has expressed to us for our children, for each other's children. It's something unique that a church community, a gathering of God's people can do for one another that no other group in our community has. It's, it's unique. Let's pray. Lord God, as we read of these um, proverbs, they can be jarring, they can be encouraging, they make us think about where we're at. Lord, where we're stuck, may you free us. May you help us stand back and see the big picture of how you see us first and foremost, how you love us so well, and that we'll be able to bring that sense of security and identity in ourselves out to the way that we parent or we encourage parents or we think of the past parenting that we've done. Lord, may you fill us with your wisdom by the power of your spirit. You encourage us in James to ask for wisdom when we do ask for it now that our children would receive such love and care and training that they would continue in it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.